Welcome everyone, welcome to the Matter of the Heart, where we bring you heartfelt, educational, and always positive stories to elevate your spirit. I'm your host, and today's show, I'll also be your guest, and the topic of the show is love stories you just might not believe. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a background of um, how these stories uh, came into my life. I used to be, a while ago, um, on the Psychic Network. I'm really under three years old, just don't tell anybody. But I used to be on the Psychic Network, and, and the um, the platform of it, or how I connected to it, in other words, is basically your, your, your home, or you could be anywhere. And the network is connecting you really to every state of the country and I realize that this is a worldwide podcast. So um, other countries, it's, um, it's, it's connected to the 50 states. And so you, uh, you log on, so to speak, and you, uh, and you get a phone call. And you really don't know what state uh, uh, you know, the person is calling from. And um, it's quite an interesting concept. So I was doing this for a few years, and I would stay up to about 4 o'clock in the morning. And um, towards that time, I would get calls from, I believe it was Alaska. I still remember people calling me from Anchorage. And um, so it was quite a it, it, an insight for me to the human being and to the needs of a human being or the concerns of a human being, you know because they're taking their time out. They need to, at that time, to talk to somebody. So in a way, in a way, I was their spiritual counselor. And, um, and that's really what my, uh, my format or my mode was, more of a counselor than anything. And I think they needed, it's, it's quite interesting, they needed somebody definitely to listen to their major concerns. And they wanted to be heard. They wanted the attention. I think they needed the attention. And, um, and so I was there for them. And it was nonstop, meaning as soon as I got off the phone, another phone call. As soon as I got off the phone with that, another phone call. It was continuous. Continuous phone calls from, from people, men and women, from all over uh, America. Uh, the 50 states and I even made a, my own graph and it, it was I got calls from every state of the Union and there were some certain states that were more popular than others but it was definitely from every state of the Union now some of you may think that the majority of the callers were love and I would say no uh, most of the call really it was everything but um, maybe 40 percent the others were business, believe it or not, or uh, really very challenging personal circumstances. Very common for somebody to call me eviction or, um, or gender, sexual gender, or, um, or finances. And the ones that I re would remember the most were the people I remember in the South. And they had these very interesting spiritual stories or spirit stories to me that they would uh, see somebody at the bottom of the bed um, or lights going on and off, a smell of a scent, 
of somebody that they knew had passed. Um, music going on and off. Somebody sitting at a bed, on a bed, and then the bed is, you know, going down, meaning somebody's also on the other, you know, on the bed with them. So this was quite interesting to me. I, I really, this was, I was totally exposed to this. I never heard this before. And, uh, and, and when you listen, you certainly have to be, uh, you know, patient and respectful and, and um, absorb as much as you can. And uh, again, they needed somebody to talk to. And for whatever reason, because they knew I was from New York City, they would always say to me that they felt that they could tell me anything, that they felt, you know, uh, that new people from New York City were uh, more open-minded. The other interesting thing about the, the, the network is that um, I could always feel, by the question, the type of question that was asked, that the, na the person was Native American, I would guess it maybe 99% of the time, they would ask a question but keep digging and digging until they got to the truth, you know, to the truth of the question. Other callers simply wanted to, and I don't mean simply in a negative way, they wanted to be heard. Uh, they needed the attention. They needed that listening aspect. But the Native American with their questions always, 99% of the time, and I spoke to many in different areas of the country, they needed to get to the truth. So, let's go. Um, I'm going to give you a few of the uh, stories that I heard. And, of course, I'm never going to give you the name. But these are all true stories. I didn't make them up. I didn't exaggerate in any of them. But, you know, I'm going to give a story or share with you a story. But I think, to me, the main thing is the lesson of the story because maybe we can pick up something from it that we can learn from and pass it on to somebody else. You know, because we all have stories. Think of stories as a chapter of a book. We have many, many chapters of a book. And think of it that each chapter has a major story in your journey that stands out, you know, that really gave you a, um, a real strong vitamin boost, so to speak, a fuel, a vitamin fuel, so to speak, you know, that, that um, gave you so much more food for thought in your life. So the first uh, story that I'll share with you is, um, is Miss D. Now, Miss D worked for, uh, you know, she had a boss, and um, uh, uh, they, she had a relationship with the boss. He was married, and as a result of the relationship with the boss, uh, she became uh, pregnant, and the, um, her daughter never knew really never knew her true father. You know, never knew her true father. So, um, I would say that was kind of interesting because, you know, it, that from that aspect, she never sensed it. Because, you know, we're always, uh, you know, intuition is a major part of our journey, right? The right and the left side of the brain. Intuition, I always say, if, you know, if you're in the intuitive side of the brain, you're more in the now. You don't have to think as much what to do, when to do, etc. You're totally in the now. So this, um, this client, Miss D, wanted to uh, rekindle uh, to uh, her boss, wanted to go back to him. Um, 
you know, for whatever reason, she wanted to go back. She was definitely obsessed with him. You know, definitely, definitely obsessed with him. So, again, I'm more of a counselor. She would tell me how. <laughs> and uh, she was definitely obsessed with a certain type of a bra, which uh, I won't name the company, but she was definitely obsessed with a, a certain type of a bra. So that was one of her tools. The second tool was prayer. She prayed, I think, it, definitely every day uh, for him to come back into her life in, in a relationship and to uh, really to leave his wife. Uh, and she did that, oh, several, several months. She also combined with that fasting, believe it or not. She fasted for a week hoping that, that energy, the energy of fasting or the silence or the connection of the fasting would also uh, create within him an energy that would also leave his wife. So I'm not going to tell you necessarily the outcome, but the lesson of it. What is the lesson? Uh, some of us, and I'm sure you, maybe some of you have been in this situation, or maybe you know of somebody, who's been uh, obsessed with somebody, because I call this more of an obsession. And once we have an obsession with somebody, I think we lose track. We're certainly not in the intuitive mode. We're losing track of what's going on because th that obsession isn't even on fourth gear. It's on fifth, it's on sixth. It's, it's just running fast, running, running, running fast. It's not in, you know, in a slow tone because sometimes when we're in a slower tone of life, we can pick up the feelings, the energy, and we can see more, more you know, the blossoming of the flower. But she was, uh, obsession is, again, it's, um, it runs away with everything. So what is the lesson? Well, maybe some of you can relate to, have you ever been obsessed with somebody in your life, a partner? Uh, did you want it to work? And yet maybe subconsciously you didn't think it could work. It was almost impossible, but you kept at it. You know, you uh, whatever you tools you used, you know, to to um, connect to that person. So what I would say with this, and you really, I'm not telling you that I'm speaking the the words of truth here. Something for you to think about is, if you catch yourself, if you catch yourself in any type of obsessive behavior, catch yourself. You know, kick in another gear, because this life is balance. And once when we're much more into balance of life, we can pick up the wisdom of it and we can pick up exactly what we're supposed to do, you know, or certainly more of what we're supposed to do because when we are in obsessive behavior, there's no thought process, there's certainly no intuitive process. And we lose really the perspective, the insight, certainly the wisdom and of it because we're not seeing or feeling the truth of the situation. So that's a lesson of, you know, obsession for you to think about. The next um, story I have to share with you was Miss um, Miss G. This is a different type of a love story. Miss G was uh, was in love with her guru, very much so, and she worked as a volunteer in in Mumbai in Italy, in India, and she worked, I think, for a few years. And she was definitely in love with him, 
I saw her on the, uh, at Lincoln Center when he spoke. The Lincoln Center is a, um, a theater type of um, format, listeners, where it uh, seats people with um, talks or uh, music or anything and everything is in New York City, and it fits up to, oh, I'd say almost 3,000 people. And the, uh, the audience was actually packed, and she saved a seat for me. She was on the stage. And he spoke, and I saw that she must have had a connection with him, obviously, because she had worked doing volunteer work for several years. But then a situation occurred, and she had a personal question for him. Uh, prior to that, if you could, she'd certainly put him on a pedestal. There's no question about it. She'd put him on a pedestal all the time, you know. And so she, again, she had a personal question, but he never responded to her. And she kept on asking, you know, giving him a question, but she never, again, he never responded to her. So with that, with that format, with that interaction, she certainly lost a lot of, what would we say, putting him on a pedestal. She no longer put him on a pedestal. And what she did do was connect more to who she is, her own thoughts, her own feelings, and realizing that nobody else, else in life can really sometimes really understand your situation as much as you can. One thing I do remember from he spoke, and I'll share that with you, he said, when you give, always give a little bit more. You know, don't set a limit on giving. Uh, sometimes we might say, okay, I'm giving it, uh, I gave enough. You know, but, but maybe even gave enough, didn't give enough, but never set a certain um, uh, framework of the process of giving, but giving for the sake of giving, you know, um, with no agenda, uh, with nothing at all behind it, sake of giving. So um, that was, you know, her lesson was that she, uh, you know, never, um, she never heard from <laughs> So I think actually she left. She did leave the, um, and it's called an ashram in, in Mumbai, in, in, in India. Although I think she was born in Mumbai, but the ashram was in another location in, in India. And he certainly was very popular for Lincoln Center to be totally full. So that was her lesson. So. I ask you, listener, did you ever put somebody on a pedestal? I think we all have. And we, when we do that, I think we lose who we are because we are, quote, dependent on that person for the answer, for the, you know, for their response. And then because the fact, you know, that we're putting them on a pedestal, whatever answer they give us, we're accepting as the truth, you know, as the wisdom. As, as exactly what we are supposed to follow. And we lose any intuition with it, you know, our own rationale. Who is more important or who knows more about ourselves when you really think about it, you know, than yourself? Nobody. You know your history. You know, it's like when you go into a doctor's office, you know, he takes out a, I don't know, a chart and he asks you certain questions, but... Uh, does he really know your whole story? Most doctors don't. Because your story is personal. It's heartfelt. 
and we all go through some difficult times, or a lot of us go through difficult times, and it's heartfelt, uh, and and it creates uh, who we are in the present. So um, I think the lesson is, and I think it's a, it's a wise one. You can take it and not take it. Is that never, never look at somebody, you know, on a pedestal, uh, because uh, nobody is more important than you. Period. Nobody is more important than you. Nobody's quote perfect. I don't think there's such a thing in life. It's perfection. Maybe nature. Maybe nature has its own way of blossoming. But um, I don't think, uh, you know, as far as placing anybody in a pedestal, that's only deterring us from exactly who we are and our own truest self-identity. The next uh, the next person who called also had a situation, a situation with her boss, and uh, it, I would say it was more physical. And she would really ask me a lot of questions about if you're going to uh, give her a certain gift at a certain holiday. She was a sweetheart. Uh, but, you know, a holiday or Valentine's Day. And, um, and he was married. And she was married. Now, the interesting thing, there's a couple interesting things with this, and you can try to figure it out, was that um, he finally got a tinted car. Now, you can imagine what that meant to her. Because they would meet, i let you use your imagination, they would meet at lunchtime. And definitely, I'm sure your imagination has already pinpointed what was going on. But she was so excited that he got a tinted car. And, 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 but she, again, was another uh, obsessed with him. She, she wasn't sure, she didn't really say anything about him leaving his wife. But she was obsessed being with him in an intimate way, in that physical way, because there the communication really wasn't too great, um, because it was more certainly the personal communication wasn't so great, but it was more you know business. He was her boss, so the communication was more that physical, that physical intimacy. Now the interesting part of that, and again use your imagination, was that she never, <laughs> she received, always received pleasure from her husband, but not this man. So she'd meet him, this was going on for a few years, in his tinted car, I don't know how often, maybe once a week, once every other week, but she would never receive pleasure from him but she would always receive pleasure from her husband. So, again, uh, that's for you to figure out because that's a good story. I love that one. Uh, the, next, the next one is Miss um, L, we'll call her. And she um, was married to somebody who was a press secretary of one of the presidents. And she had met three of the presidents as a result of being married to him. And they lived in a very wealthy type of a setup, very wealthy. And um, she, um, what would I say? She lived in a wealthy, I mean, she had all the materialism that you could possibly, you know, ask for, if you wanted to ask for it, if that, that's important to you. But um, 
and they slept two separate beds. So their communication and the physical intimacy, I would say, was minimal. Um, and all of her friends told her to stay with him because she was questioning whether or not to stay with him or not. And I think where they were coming from was because she has a very wealthy uh, environment that they didn't want her to leave because, and really the financial aspect. But as time went on, uh, and I certainly hope I helped with this, she did leave him and um, became much more who she was because I think once that happens is that, um, you know, what materialism versus, versus love, what's more important? And we all have different priorities in life. So I would say with that, you know, what is your priority in a marriage? Maybe your priority is, you know, is the, could be anything and everything, political or, or financial. But in her case, which was a good learning lesson for her, she had to really delve deep into her heart to find out what was more important to her and to make the, the, her decision was to leave him after, I don't know, 25 years of marriage. Many, many moons. It was both of them their first marriage. And she finally made the decision to, to, uh, to leave him. And I could say she was much happier. Not because he was a negative human being, but because she really connected to her own principles and not anybody else's principles. And I would say that's probably one of the wisdoms of life. Always connect to who you are, your self-identity. The more you connect to your own self-entity, the more self-empowerment you have, the more you open up with your heart, right? Because if you're not opening up, you're connecting to somebody else's um, uh, situation, uh, or if you're losing it, with you know, in other words, when you're not integrating your own principles, when your heart isn't really open. It's kind of shut down. So um, she's definitely much more happier now. The other thing was that it, I noticed in small towns, a lot of people would call, you know, from small towns. And believe it or not, well, maybe you do or not, is that incest was very popular. I hate to say popular, but was a frequent question or certainly a frequent concern. And... Um, I don't know what to say with that, except just wanted to share with you that this certainly was an issue with people living in small towns. Uh, maybe it was because it was such a small town and they needed a connection with somebody, whether or not it was a cousin, a brother, whoever it was, they needed to feel, you know, that connection. Um, so... Uh, you know, and a lot of times when they would call, there was certainly a emotional concern uh, as far as what they did. A deep, deep-rooted uh, emotional, personal, personal concern. So what is the wisdom or the lesson is, uh, you know, uh, is it wise or not wise? You make your own decision, but certainly it's something that you would carry on for your, uh, your lifetime you know, as far as the the personal part, you know, what would it do to your consciousness, you know, to your own uh, feeling, was it right, wrong, the judgment, etc. 
you know, and how would you navigate it? So it's certainly something, something to think about it. Um, I'm going to go with another, another story, but these are love stories, loving stories, love stories, loving stories, but I think it's a good idea also to think, what is love? What does love mean to you? You know, sometimes we hear a word and it becomes very, uh, I don't know what the word is, redundant or used a lot without, what is its meaning to you? You know, um, self-love certainly, and love, love of a person, love in a partnership, uh, love in the world, love for mankind. There's different, different, uh, you know, um, I'd call them vibrations of love. It can be one-on-one, -on -one, it can, and it can be uh, to uh, to mankind. I also think when it's more to mankind, uh, I love the word compassion and serving mankind. So it can also go into the concept of serving mankind. But the word itself has so many different meanings to everybody. And again, sometimes it's short. You ever talk to somebody, you talk to them for two minutes, love you, they get off the phone. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. In other words, what does love mean to you? Is it intensity? Is it not an intensity? Is it action versus words? Um, is it sometimes you ever realize, you, you know, that people, somebody has told you that they love you, but then when you're in a hardship, uh, as we would say, forget about it. It ain't happening. They're not around. And all of a sudden, you know, you're scratching your head and you're saying, well, you know what, what does love really mean? Or what does love really mean to me? Forget about the other person because that person's not connecting to you. But what does love really mean to you? And, um, and how much of a priority is it to hear the word? Uh, sometimes you might not want to hear the word, or sometimes you hear the word. Uh, I know in my case, my parents died when I was young, and I had a couple of relatives that say they loved me. But I only saw them once a year, which was around a holiday. So I had a question. And we had no parents. What does love mean? What did love mean to them? So that was an eye-opener. And maybe you can reflect, you know, on some people. I think it's really important. What does love mean to you? And, you know, are you, are you peaceful with it? Um, are you content with it? Uh, and, uh, and how much, you know, uh, what does it mean to you in, in the sense that also compassion? Is it linked with the compassion of a human being. Because I think once you have compassion for a human being, I think for myself, that's real, real love because you're, you're really empathizing with the person's uh, challenges of life and whatever situation they are. So briefly, I'm gonna tell you another story. And that was um, a, a, a doctor. Um, Brilliant, but brilliant doctor, by the way, brilliant doctor. And um, she would call me quite frequently. She really liked a lot her lawyer, believe it or not. Um, now, the interesting thing with her, and the interesting little few things is, and you can relate to this, is that because of the fact 
that she went to so many schools. She never really knew what the concept of friendship is. No concept at all. Because the schools, you know, the colleges, universities, she had many, many, many degrees. You don't learn friendship in it. So she never understood, really, you know, and in one way it's, I find it a little sad, how to create a friendship. She didn't have any friends because it didn't connect to her. And why didn't it connect to her? Because she was too in, immersed into reading words in her, uh, in her background, in her uh, physical, in her psychological background uh, in, in medicine. So, you know, it, um, that was an eye-opener to me. And that, you know, I'm sharing that to you, that some people, especially in the uh, people who go for, you know, degrees and degrees and degrees, they might just forget about human beings sometime. Their friend is the book. Their friend is the words. Their friend is striving, you know, to get a degree. But uh, if a friend comes in the way, that's not a priority or a human being to create. You know, to really to create um, a friendship. Well, she was definitely liked her her lawyer because she <laughs> she had I wouldn't even know where to begin with her case. She had a very interesting case with a stepmother who locked her out of her house with changed the locks so my client couldn't get into her own house. And um, this story could. This is a whole book in itself. But she couldn't get into her own house. So um, finally she was able to by changing the locks. Uh, the, uh, her stepmother wanted uh, a lot of money from this doctor, claiming that she was uh, the stepmother and always really took care of her. Um, so the client, uh, the doctor, uh, doctor client, really depended on the lawyer to help her through this because she was going through a lot. I mean, really, really, I wouldn't know where to begin with this story. As I said, that's a whole no, uh, that's a whole other podcast. So she, uh, as a result of that, though, she was became dependent on him. And sometimes in life, we can become dependent on somebody. You know, we can't figure out things all the time. It's impossible. Uh, and why should we? Why should we think that we can uh, do everything, we're totally independent, and we'll have all the answers? There's many pieces of the pie, you know, so to speak. You know, the physical, financial, spiritual, uh, sexual, whatever. So she was dependent on him, and she also learned to, or became very much in love with him. Extremely. And because it created this bond where she needed him, for her case, which is really so bizarre. And he gave her a lot of information. So what she did was really step more into the personal, you know, rather than the, um, the business part, rather than the legal. So she would send them notes and cards and affirmations and flowers, you know, a little bit over the, the top. I don't know what you tell. She was not looking at at him for the her case which was pending um, so as a result of it you know um, uh, you know again she lost her her 
uh, her train of thought, her feelings, and she lost really the purpose of him to begin with, which was the legal aspect. What's the lesson? Well, sometimes they say you can't combine person with business. I don't always believe in that, though. I think sometimes you can. Uh, a lot of entertainment people do. That's just one one area. But sometimes you can, and sometimes it can cr actually create a stronger bond because you have much more of an understanding of each other. You have a similar background of way of thinking, a feeling of the spirit, etc., etc. In this case, in this case, it didn't complement. It didn't enhance. It was coming from two different areas of life, legal and medical. So there wasn't um, a deeper understanding. Well, there was really no understanding of the personal. And, and uh, his response, unfortunately, was really no. He didn't want to go with her at all. So I think a lesson is catch yourself. Catch yourself when you think you're becoming dependent on somebody. Can you combine uh, business and personal? Use your intuition. I think sometimes you can. But always use your intuition and certainly your mind as well um, with it. So, um, but certainly dependency, we're all, we all can become dependent on somebody. There's no question about it. But catch yourself when we become too dependent and we lose our train of thought for the original invitation to the person. I hope I've given you some insight. I could uh, go on and on. Um, these stories are true. Um, they were all dear, dear clients. They all had really beautiful hearts, by the way. Really beautiful hearts. And um, they taught me a lot. I always, always learned from them. Um, and always, you know, I think you, in life everything is a balance, you know. Somebody talk, speaks to you, you listen, you can't. And I mean listen, not hear. The more you listen, the more you understand, the more you respect, and the more you flow with it. So you create a harmony and a balance and an understanding of each other. Or certainly if somebody has wounds that they want to share. You've been listening to The Matter of the Heart, and I guess the name of the show, The Matter of the Heart, certainly coincides with these stories because all of these stories are people coming from their heart, um, opening up their hearts with their stories. You have to open up your heart with your wounds to share it, you know, to uh, dig into it, to, to heal it. And once you heal it, then you're more in the now, right? Once you heal something from the past, or any, I think anything from the past, frankly, the more you're in the now, because I think a challenge of life is to be in the now, because then you can see that flower, then you can see the, the petal, then you can feel the petal, then you can see the intensity of the color, then you can see or feel the breeze that's flowing, you know, all the, all the tides of the water, the radiant sun, the elusive moon. You are with Mother Nature, and I think we're all, always supposed to be as much as possible with Mother Nature, with the people around us, so we can grow and become exactly who we are with freedom as a spiritual fuel. Thanks so much for listening to The Matter of the Heart. 
I've been your guest and your host. Anytime you want to email me, kindly do. Maybe you have a story you want to share for another show. Carol Olivia Seven at the matter of at the Gmail, sorry, at Carol Olivia Seven at gmail.com. There's so many interesting shows in the matter of the heart. You know, www.thematteroftheheart.com. I just posted Dr. Bernie Siegel, who's a treasure, you know, worldwide known. His medical stories, his health story. I mean, he's humble. Dr. Cregan on the vaccine coming up soon. The UFO, UFO. Um, uh, Eric Mitchell, who's been investigated, you know, by the CIA, who had some weekly conversations with one of the astronauts, Edgar Mitchell. Um, Paul Sugar um, has so many shows on mindfulness, uh, really beautiful shows on mindfulness. And, and we have astrology, astrological shows as well. Check it out. Um, I think you'll like some of the shows. Uh, thank you always for listening. And again, I've been your host and guest, Carol Olivia. And thank you always for listening to the Matter of the Heart podcast. Thank you. Thank you.